you have to decide and figure out what's hard and worthwhile and what's hard and not worthwhile, right? That's what she said. And uh, since we've been quoting this line so many times, I'm just going to add it this week. It's, I think it's like pornography. It's like the Supreme Court judge said. You there, you know what it looks like when you see it, right? Like, you know if it's worthwhile. Like, you just actually know. Uh, welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys here today. we got Beanie Fan in the building, and we have Jack Butcher. And I'm Bilal Zaidi, as always. Boys, what's going on this week? Lots to talk about. You, let's, let's talk about Jack's checks, because I actually want to find a new meme that involves a beanie. 100 milli. We already hit 100 mil, Jack. Secondary sales. Across the two collections, yeah. Smashing it, man. Jack, what does that mean? Tell us what that means. A lot of attention still on still on the project. Still, okay. uh, there we go. Still keeping, still keeping the uh, the public eye. So it's been it's been fun, man. Let's talk about the. Uh, remember when we had uh, Dan Runsty on a couple of weeks ago? He's talking about the decay curve. Are we seeing any uh, decay here in this project, in the interest of a project? Or is the curve healthy? Is it a healthy curve right now? You have to ask somebody. You have to ask somebody else who knows more about curves than me, for sure. But the, I think there's there's definitely an attention span issue in this world. So, like this world specifically being like NFT world, and and more broadly, obviously. The but world, <laughs> the world in general. What's interesting, yeah, exactly. We like when it first came out, we saw this massive flurry of derivative work, and that's still happening. But it kind of, what's, at least from my my perspective, the things that are happening now have been like under development for a couple of weeks. So people have been like heads down building things that, that are more time intensive to build. So there's like games, tools. People have built like third party apps to preview the artwork that you can combine so there's tools that people have like reverse engineered from the smart contracts that we put out to like improve the way people can interact with the project so it's been there's still a lot of stuff happening uh done a few interviews and stuff so yes yeah, it's, it's uh it's mature where to do interviews on podcasts and that or yeah done a few small podcasts try, trying to like not do the you know the the typical rounds done a few. Not on Tim uh, Ferriss yet. Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the NFT, like the bigger NFT space stuff, because people, I think, trying to spend time talking about it with, I don't know. There's 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 people who engage with it because they're curious, and there's people who engage with it because they just want to like ride the relevancy of it, right? So, much prefer doing the smaller ones right now. Um, Man, just everything about this project, you're just the opposite of Shillville. Yeah. Jack's not even, this is Jack's not even trying to shill this and it's just raining dough, but it's not all about the money. Guys, it's not <laughs> all about the money, right? All right, let me, for the listeners, for the first We've time ever, the week here, 101 episodes in, I'm wearing a, the blog called it a beanie. In Canada, we call it a toque. All right. A toque? Yeah, a two. Yo, I know my beanies, man. That was original street vibes, 80% of revenue. I've seen Bilal wear, I think Bilal has worn beanies twice while we recorded. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I like a good beanie, especially when my hair's going to go, son. You got to do the beanie height. 
Go on, pull the meme up. Sorry. No, no. I, well, my wife, my wife tells me. It looks like in my head. Uh, well, this it speaks to us. So for the listeners, here's the meme. It's what you think you look like when you wear a toque versus what you actually look like. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, I got another one. If this applies to everyone, but everyone thinks that they look good in a toque. Every single person puts on a toque is like, oh, I look dope in this toque. The toque is not like a hat or a trucker hat. There's a lot less flexibility for how you look in a toque. So in this meme, there's a, a nice looking young lady on the left in a nice toque. She looks great in it. And then it says how I think I look wearing a toque. And then in the right side is an image of, uh, is it William H. Macy? Yeah, William H. Macy wearing a toque looking like a total chode. And that's what I probably look like right now. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I definitely haven't seen boys, you. Go on, go on, Jack. I got one follow-up meme for this one. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> Can you read through this? Yeah, so the smaller the beanie, the higher your position will be on the socioeconomic ladder. <laughs> Wear the beanie for the job you want, not the one you have. So you really need the visual for this, but if you've ever worked in like an ad agency, this will be very funny. But I'm the, still in this. I'm basically, the this. height of the beanie, uh, the fully pulled down one that Trung's wearing is uh, annotated, looking for work, gamer, or like drug dealer. That looks like the dude dealer. from Next Friday. Do you ever, do you ever watch yeah, that yeah, film, yeah. Next Friday? <laughs> the Mexican <laughs> dude? Yo, this is <laughs> yeah. so good, man. Yeah, it's great. It's good, great. isn't it? It's a good, like, inverse utility curve, right? It's like, you don't need to be wearing the hat. <laughs> Wait, Jack, do you think this one is at... If I post this, the stolen meme, that'll be a thousand likes minimum, right? This feels like a thousand. Oh, I would think, yeah. Okay. I don't know where it came from. I found it. Uh, the career tip at the top as well is a, a great Hysterical. little... Uh... Yeah, what are the other 344? Uh, all right, yo, before we get into this, actually, Bilal, can you tease what we're talking about this episode? Yeah, I was going to say, so talking of things that we should quit doing, wearing beanies, all that other stuff, Today, we're going to be talking about grit versus quit because we've always talked about the idea of this is pointless, the visualized value, classic thing we've always talked about, you know, gritting it out. But there's also a time where you need to say this isn't working, need to quit. So we'll be discussing that, our ideas around that. So, uh, and then we'll probably get on to, if we get time, we'll be talking about Apple's glucose efforts and their moonshot team. Uh, quite an interesting space in like health tech. There's a lot of interesting companies I've like looked at in the past as well. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see if we get onto some AI deepfake stuff a little bit later. But let's kick it off with the uh, quit versus grit. Trung, were you going to say something now? Yeah, yeah. We, well, I wanted the soft water story from Jack, but it's going to be weird now at this point, uh, unless you guys really want to hear it. Jack, you want to talk about that now or say I'm loaded later? for it, boys. I'm loaded for it. I'll do it. Tell us what happened. Okay, amazing. Let's go. All right, yeah, let's kick it off with that. What well, I can tell the story. I don't know about material. We'll see if it's material worthy. But basically, if you go into any Home Depot in America, they give you these water testing kits. Home home water tests, right? That's the lead magnet. So you take this little thing home. You put a, a um, lead magnet. You, <laughs> you fill, fill a vial of water and you send it off to some place, right? And then they call you up and they're like, hey, um, yeah, we tested your water. And guess what? It's full of garbage. It's got this, this. Did you fall for the lead magnet? Is it ever not full of garbage? Does it, yeah. Have they ever <laughs> tested water and been like, Hey, sir, just want to let you know your water is 100% good. Never happened. 
I wouldn't think so. But boys, they got me. So let me tell the rest of the story. So you, your, your water is, there's a scale, I think it's one to 12 of how hard your water is. So the hardness basically refers to all the contaminants in the water. So there's like rock, fucking radioactive material, calcium, fluoride, all this mad stuff, right? And they give you this one measurement back and they're like, oh, we're going to do a follow-up test in your house. We're just collecting data for Home Depot. Right? We want to do X, Y, and Z. Then this guy comes with a briefcase, Inspector Gadget style, opens this thing up. There's like 40 vials in there. Got little droppers. He's got a little... Um, he's just putting on a show, yeah? Yeah, he's like, here's your water. Here's our water. And they, t they filter some of it through. And honestly, it's disgusting what they show you. It's horrendous. Like They do a pH test on this stuff. They put some separating agent in there and you show it like literally has, I'll send you boys the pictures like dirt in the water. And yeah, dude, is he lying to you or like, it's all above board. No, I was cross-examining the guy. I was like, I was like, let me rinse out the one you're using, put it back. Let me test this. Let me test that. I had him test a vial of water that comes out of a Berkey filter. Do you know those things? It's like a big silver. Also, this is already filtered water. This is like you use it like a Brita or something. No, he, so he tested the tap water first and it was horrible. And I was like, all right, let me, at least the stuff we're drinking, can you test that? Oh yeah. Horrible as well. So I don't know, this is, you know, apparently those guys are like under a lawsuit right now for what they claim to remove from the water and they're not removing. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, system, hey guys, we can get rid of all of this for you overnight. Here's the price, here's the installation, blah, blah. Sign on the dotted line, which I did. How much they get you for, man? Is it like a takeover the whole block water thing, or what? How does it work? No, it's just it's in. Uh, so it just connects to the the pipe that brings water into the house. Oh, got it, got it. Basically, some places like in New York, I think they treat the water at the plant way more. They invest way more in the infrastructure to treat the water. Tennessee, not so much. Not a great quality water. And, uh, yeah, it filters it at the, like, when it comes into your house and then it goes through the, all the systems and whatever else. So they sold you, man. But, yeah, it sounds like something, yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, but I, don't, I can't tell if it's just viral videos on the internet. Like, even, like, people talk about the shower water and uh, how that can impact you because it's still touching your skin. I, I don't know enough about it. It sounds a bit like bro science, but I'm not sure. Nah, he gives you the whole thing, man. It's the two and a half million pores in the body. You might not be drinking it, but it's going in. <laughs> and on it, they do these demos, man. Like, I sound like I'm nuts, but they'll do like, uh, they'll wash your hands in one type versus the other type. They did all these different demos. One of like, how much water you need to even get soap to froth up because the water isn't clean. That's the soap can't react with. It was like, he did eight or nine different tests. And by the fourth one, we're like, just give, sign, give us the contract, man. We're ready to go. Yeah, fair enough, man. There's one skill that's transferable across any industry, sales, right? If you can sell, you will always have a job. This gentleman that sold Jack on hard water solutions sound like he could sell ice to an Eskimo. Like this guy, like this, this journey are you through is just a 101. Sir, you have a problem. I have the solution, right? I like, a winner. What an absolutely... What an what an absolute masterclass! This is like Bilal selling 
kitchen tabletops over the phone. The whole kitchen, not just the tabletops, man. <laughs> and uh, expensive haircuts on Oxford Street. But no, I will say that's one of my favorite Jay-Z lines. Sell ice in the winter, sell fire in hell. I'm a hustler, baby. I sell water well. That was definitely my MSN Messenger. You know MSN Messenger when you'd add the lyrics to your... Bro, that's not just your MSN Messenger. That was that guy's MSN Messenger. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, Jack got sold, fair enough, mate. All right, boys, should we get on with this? So uh, let's start talking about grit versus quit. For people who don't know, we reference it once every month at least. This is pointless. I'm going to share my screen really quickly here. Jack, this is... Can you see this? Um, Jack, this is your, you said it's the most famous one. By a factor of 10. Yeah, and I know that because Trung just had a great write-up in Satpost about this whole graphic and Jack's idea here about disappointment. So you guys should definitely check that out. But Jack, just for anyone who's never seen it, the three people listening who've never heard of this, could just tell us quickly, like, what the point of this uh, is in the first place. So just to describe it visually, it's like a flat, horizontal axis of a graph and then there's an annotation about three quarters of the way across it says this is pointless where it's still flat a couple of ticks later it starts to go up exponentially um yeah we could talk about this in a bunch of different contexts but it's kind of i mean i think in the context of the internet specifically it's like there's this this is that an Ernest hemingway quote suddenly then all at once yeah, about going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Finding, whether it's product market fit or just making something that resonates just as a byproduct of doing that on a connected network, growth can happen faster than you think. And then Trung, I'll just say, because you wrote about it, so you've obviously experienced this with Twitter and probably other stuff as well. Is there anything when, like, I think for all of us, go on, what were you showing here? Warren, all right, Warren Buffett's net worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a good example. There you go, perfect. This is a this is a good example, but a little bit different, right? I, I I was a little bit hesitant to put this chart into the article. It shows Warren Buffett's net worth over time. So here's the crazy thing: is since the age of fifty, granted he's like ninety seven now, but ninety nine point five percent of his net worth, which is one hundred and nine billion, happened after the age of fifty. And it's just the idea of you know people have seen this: this idea of compounding. But I think I like what Jack said is. It happens so much faster in the internet age for not necessarily money, right? That's I'll say money, but other things, attention, uh, things you're trying to build audience, uh, etc. And the the reason I was hesitant to put that charge, I didn't want to make it about money, but I wanted to make it about the idea of you have to let time truly marinate, right? And this is the great, this is what uh, Morgan Housel said, who's absolute go. We definitely need him on this podcast. The uh, the writer of the Psychology of Money which we've referenced a lot too. He wrote Buffett's skill in investing, but his secret is time. And then he wrote this about investing, but I think this applies to any worthwhile venture. He goes, if you want to do better as an investor, the single most powerful thing you can do is to increase your time horizon. Time is the most powerful force in investing. It makes little things grow big and big mistakes fade away. It can neutralize luck and risk, but it pushes results closer towards what people deserve. And I think that's the same with any entrepreneurial venture, even your life, your relationships, it's like crazy things happen in the moment, but if you increase your time horizon, and listen, none of this is new, right? And people are quoting all this Buffett stuff all weekend because his uh, the annual, you know, his annual report came out. But uh, I think that's a powerful idea that can be applied to like much more than just money. Uh, your thoughts on that, guys? Well, yeah, I agree. I think all three of us have experienced this in different ways with different 
things in our lives. And I think that's why it resonated. The first one I said in the past is the first one I saw from your from you, Jack. That was like, oh man, I was in the middle of like going hard on Creator Lab, and I was like, everyone who's ever created something can feel that graphic so much that people have tattooed it on themselves, right? But I'm actually curious to hear Jack's point of view because there is the other side, obviously, of knowing when something's not working out and like starting Visualize Value came after you leaving your job at one point. And that's, so that's the, the balance is like knowing you can work on something for 10 years and it's not the right thing and you should have probably quit as well. So that's kind of the balance we're trying to figure out today is what's the other side to this graphic that has really resonated with us? Let me add one thing because Bilal spoke with Annie Duke who wrote a book called Quit. And one thing I did want to say before Jack uh, jumps into it because I think it's very relevant to what Jack's want to say. It's like, they're the same decision is what she said. It's one coin and they're both... If you choose to grit through something, you're choosing not to quit. And if you choose to quit something, you're choosing to grit. So they're 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 tied. The decision is tied. So um, Jack, on that kind of both sides of one coin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think it, that's the it's the most common criticism of that thing is like, yeah, well, you can flip that upside down and it's the same thing. And, and that's like all... To be honest, what this visualizes is just a concept of faith, right? Just everybody has a different definition of it. Somebody looks at it and like, that applies to this one single thing that I'm focused on. Like I've categorized this as maybe it's my job or my bank account. And it's it, the way this makes sense to me is like all of those things together. It's like a macro commentary on all of this uh, all of the things you're learning, experiencing are hopefully leading you to a place where all of those lessons compound into something that works. And that idea, I think, of, you know, even when you're in the middle of something working, you are only a number of decisions or experiments away from something working even better. So it's like you could stack those things on top of each other as well. It's obviously misleading to think of that as this definitive thing it really is just supposed to be this gestural idea of what what you're amassing in terms of experience experiments like doing things that might not necessarily have um, a payoff in the moment are all contributing to like honing your instinct and the things you'll do down the line that can potentially have a much greater upside. So I think there's like, you can look at it in a really like tactical or um, what's the word, like literal way. And in some cases that's true. Like did Warren Buffett think his, what was it, 400 million at the like, this is pointless part of the job. Oh, yeah. there's, there's never a point in, for him where his disappointment. Right. That's the point, right? It's like that that chart. Yeah, you're right. It's saying something more. I think well, so let me ask you this. How do you, have you had like some I'm sure you have seen it, but did anything really resonate with you where somebody was like criticizing that? And like did anybody ever write you a long email like, Jack, you're harboring people's lives by doing how has anybody ever done something of that extreme? Not not really extreme. Like there was only ever gotten to the Twitter comment level and i think it ultimately it is like what you're criticizing is the concept of belief and that is like 
you know that's that's, that's just like what is it nihilism pessimism varying degrees of of negativity which is the other side of that coin which yeah you're entitled to that idea but i think one of the reasons it resonates is because it isn't literal or it isn't like do this or it isn't like you know the dumb shit of like one penny doubled every 30 days it's a you know 20 billion dollars in 20 years yeah yeah exactly in moronic right that's just just the idiotic principle like yeah that's a whatever five figure percent return every year in perpetuity nobody's gonna produce that can't double something every day generally yeah (laughs) for a long period of time yeah (laughs) those are the things that go viral those are the things in the brain tree uh whatever the you know dumb what is it called in the bottom of the th- of the articles you see on all oh, the chum boxes yeah the chum boxes yeah 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 that kind of stuff so i think it's i think it straddles a line between those two worlds where you're inviting people to think like okay everybody i think has this desire to refine what it is they're doing and produce a better result right that's just a innate human desire characteristic whatever else and it's not meant to reference any one specific thing it's really like enduring that 75 percent that didn't produce the result that you wanted is contributing to giving you the information you need to get a better result that's really yeah what it really means to me at least is this what what are this like second order effects long tail effects like leading indicators and lagging indicators right it's like that if you you know a lot of people measure their efficacy by the results they produce on the day versus the attempts they made on the result like the, the thing that you can actually control is the what is it is like don't it's like don't judge the day based on like the fruit based based the day on what you planted not what you picked right and that i think references what you're talking about trung which is like time is this 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 factor that improves in most cases the likelihood of result x like if you're writing tweets even like every day you write a funny tweet there's you know somebody's reading it like oh that's another funny tweet from trung that's another like great thread from trung like there's this equity that happens over and over and over and over and then eventually you know some some degree of network effects take over especially when you're talking about doing anything on the internet and uh yeah and you might get interesting dms from interesting people like that's also what could happen no, no uh, josh can we actually go through your mind when did you make this uh, okay so how long into your visualized value career did you make this piece like uh, and uh yeah when did it drop i love i love the the, the inside baseball this exact yeah was it 2020 because i see on twitter this one was on in 2020 but yeah i don't know if that was the first time you posted it i think it was yeah yeah so 2020 is what what date what what, what month uh it says september 9th 2020. Ooh, so this was your six months into covid bro so what is the mindset here when you made this how long have visualized valley been around a year and a half okay okay and th- this was really when the product stuff was probably t- properly taken off you know 2020 summer of 2020 was when visualized value really like 
got dialed in and hit his stride and transitioned from the service business like I'm never ever going to be able to break this um this relationship I have between like my time and my like the things that I get to make and the people that get to see it and experience this it was like the concept of leverage actually occurring in the visualized value business it was like that's what it feels like that's yeah that's I'm gonna put it down on paper also oh okay so see this is cool so you felt it within the vv business itself because i'm sure let's say that you started vv uh called jan 2019 or q1 2019 that first year must have been hard yeah like how much how long were you not making the money that to replace your old salary or did you or did you were you able to do it right away with consulting it was it was reasonably close, but the amount of time was so much more significant. So I just this is is this when you were living in a studio, or yeah, in Crown yeah, Heights yeah. in Brooklyn? Crown Heights. Oh, so you were working like double the amount of hours to make the same amount, like you. you told yeah, well, when I first when I first started any kind of outside, uh, I was still had an agency job, and I was like f- pretending to run an agency of my own at the same time. And those were like 120 hour weeks. That shit was ridiculous. Oh, you were going ham, dude. So you started doing it on the side, basically. That's what a lot of people do, yeah. So, and so, and then, but then you dropped off when you had already got like a runway of some money and you're like, actually, I need to just go full in to this now, yeah? Uh, yeah. And that was no, like, there were at no point in that, maybe I had the mirage or the vision of like, that's gonna hit this accelerant curve, but, I quickly figured out that that business model was never going to be the thing that I wanted to Like, I really don't know how a lot of people run those types of businesses. Like it just, they're, they're, they're hard. It's intense. And, and so, yeah, go go on trying. I think you, you had a follow up from before. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so a year in, uh, so did you ever think this is pointless journey of VV journey? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundreds. I mean, like my, my, uh, life before was sick like like flying around <laughs> staying in the four seas here's your clip for the week boys there we go <laughs> put some visuals of some ferraris on here no but it's true you you live in a good life you're living yeah you're meeting with the boys in mexico and in, in uh abitha like yeah. you were doing it yeah. you're living that's yeah. true that's true yeah no the work stuff it was it was a it was a good time man and then uh it's very unglamorous the other side of that when you're trying to do it for yourself, right? Because you're also you're also managing the P and L in a way that you're not, you know. There's a there are no allowances for steak dinners and yeah. flying around and <laughs> yeah. upgrading your room and all that stuff. Well, there are you could do that if you like, but it's if you quickly figure out that that's not it's not you don't have the same relationship with it when it's your business account, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your own money this time. It's coming what out is the most this is pointless that you felt. What what was the point where you're like this is pointless? What was the point where you're like I got? Oh go man, there was. I can't even remember the exact um, circumstance we were in, but Celia said to me, "Well, I, sh- I don't hope she won't mind me saying this, but we were in that apartment in Brooklyn one day. I can't remember what I was doing. Just like every day, I'd be like, maybe I could do this. Maybe I'll change the agency to be this. She's like, we are not entrepreneurs. We sat in the kitchen. She's like. And I was like, fucking hell. This is my last run at it then. This is at real. At that point. This is real, man. And no, that's what, thanks for sharing that because that's actually a deep one. That's like, and especially when it's your partner. And I know like 
we know Celia, like Celia's the most supportive, incredible oh, person. Course. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be Visualize Valley without her, but that is the feeling that everyone goes through in your own head. And then when you're doing it together, it's even harder because you're like, actually, maybe this isn't what we're good at. And and that's a fair thing to think at that time, right? Like, Well, the Visualize Value um, origin story in 2019, I wrote about this. We had $58 in a business bank account in, I think, January 2019. I just got, I tell this story on another podcast, got absolutely rinsed by some fraudster on a real estate deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you telling us this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's going to federal court right now, but... Will you get any money back? No. But anyways, a hard lesson. And it was like... That, I think, another thing was like... Did this guy shit post on Twitter by any chance? Or no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm messing around. Nah, I got... right. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, God. The, 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 this was before I really was uh, involved in Twitter as well. And like, I think that was the other thing of like always looking for stuff outside of myself to be like oh if only i you know make x and then give it to this person they will look after my income for me right like if i invest it this way i can create you know income from this asset and this asset and i didn't know what the fuck i was doing i was just like completely seduced by the idea that i could make money by doing nothing right which i think is that that's a sailorism i think it's like the eternal desire for humanity and people to get something for nothing that's like what keeps the what keeps the world that's spinning why basically we're making a sugar cube boys we're making yeah. a sugar cube <laughs> yeah, Tesla, yeah. right <laughs> yeah exactly and and like that as that was a very very painful lesson but also a like kick in the ass to be like just stop outsourcing this shit just figure it out yourself you know and or Go back and do what you were doing. Your life was was decent before you put ten years of work into this. So there wasn't. I was at no point was it like destitute, right? It's like we're very fortunate. We have parents. Both of our parents are still around, and like if we needed a place to stay, like you can go down to zero. And a lot of people, I think, you know, this is a horrendous generalization, maybe, but people have like more safety net than they think a lot of the time, right? Like the amount of risk you can actually take in many cases is is significantly more than you're comfortable taking but um we really like took it down to the line where it was like all right if you don't if you don't make something happen in x amount of weeks then we're packing this thing in and i think so many people get to that point because it also just fires up something in your brain right when you're like in a corner or you're I hate that this is how it works, but it really is how it works. There's, you ever heard the um, Dostoevsky story? I don't even know if this is true, but I love it. Where the guy got paid for the advance on his book, and he couldn't write another book until he gambled all his money away. All right. I didn't know that. Because <laughs> he had to write it. He had to write it. <laughs> you have to do it. Yeah. And, that's and, a, no, and I like, mean, definitely, I can feel that as well. It's a terrible, It's a terrible truth, but that's like your survival instincts. And this is, I think, something to do with why I have good ideas when we have kids. You know, it's like, shit, this just got real on a new level. Can I ask an honest question? Did, did you have my savings at that point as well? Like, what was the... Because you just said there about, like, you have some... Yeah. No, no. Like, it, like oh, you literally got down pay. to 54. Yeah, had to borrow money to live. Yeah. Because you had some money, because you've been working for a while, probably like save some money, but you'd 
put that all into that real estate thing that messed up. Yeah. Oh my. Damn, that's, oh man, that is Dude, shit. A couple of things to add here is, uh, when you made the visual, did you know it was a banger? Like, did you know? <laughs> like, you know, you know, like some people walk up the- Not to that extent, is no. Honestly, no, because it's like, I think it was, I think it's less sophisticated if I'm being honest. It's like the, you know, any any meme that has that reach is like, it has to be so broadly applicable. Like as great as some of the like Nassim Taleb principles are, you know, anti-fragility and visualizing these ideas that are like think boy porn basically is very different than like a concept that resonates with anybody that's trying to build something, improve their lives, whatever it is they're focused on. So I didn't have that foresight when I was making it. But what the simplicity is what propels it to be, yeah, exactly. And then the early accessibility pushes it even more. But yeah, that, that's yeah. definitely interesting. So I do want to bring us on to the other side of this coin here. Uh, but it's really interesting to hear that. And thanks for sharing that thing with Celia, because I think that's actually, like that, that kind of hit me as well, because I'm like, man, like I felt that, that maybe not necessarily... The, the the same words or like I'm not an entrepreneur because I think because since I was quite young I felt like one because I sold shit as like 11 year old so I always had that identity but there's other stuff you're like oh this isn't I'm not that level or I'm like especially imposter syndrome right it's some form of imposter syndrome or like especially because I have a fairly non-traditional background before I got into the workforce and like even just where I grew up with who I grew up with and and then going into this place, let's just say even like a Google where like 90% of people went to private schools and went to like the best, best schools since they were kids and great, smart people, but just that wasn't really my background. And so I would, when I was 21, I would go in there and people didn't understand my accent and they'd be like, what is Bilal saying? And I'm like, oh man, this is, and I kind of like learned to like lean into it almost. Um, and I'm mm -hmm. not talking about my accent now because like this is still a London accent, but this is like, 15 years ago almost where you couldn't understand what I was saying right and it was like lots of slang and just like thick and and so those are the things like everyone has versions of that I'm sure Trung has had versions of that as well um but I'm curious to ask the other side which is um like yeah you you quit your job and you ended up going to do visualized value because you saw something was working but there must have been other things you've tried where you actually said I need to pack this in because it's taking time away from other stuff so that's kind of the other side of this where we don't actually talk about that that often um and then trung referenced the book annie duke she was on creator lab and i will reference some of the things from that chat today because i think she actually had some really good good things in there um that are useful but like were there examples for both of you guys where you were working on a project and you're like actually this is not working i'm just hitting my head against the wall i need to stop because i think a lot of people don't even hear about them once Oh, dude, 100%. Uh, I'll, I'll rip through all the things that I've, I've quit. Like, like, I've more or less quit trying to be a, uh, like a, a scriptwriter for film, right? If it happens, it'll drop in my lap. And I wouldn't say I quit, but it's just not a focus now because I found other roads to that goal, right? Like, at the end of the day, okay, what was I optimizing for? I wanted all the audience to tell dumb jokes, right? And I thought that was the road to do it. I found another road. <laughs> it's like that Bruce Lee thing, be water. Like, just find your way around the the rocks, right? Uh, I think this sounds corny, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. And and I think the thing with Jack's This Is Pointless chart, which actually 
but yeah, I think Jack nailed it. It's like, there's so many different ways you can look at that thing, right? Like a lot of the comments I got were like, uh, when I posted an article, it was similar. It wasn't necessarily like you could turn it upside down, but it was like, Tron, that's wrong. You should be showing people improving every single day. No, the, uh, for me, the importance is just the idea of time. It's like, it really was the idea of time. Is you just have to give those things a chance to marinate. And um, and to Jack's point, they all blow. With the pointiness of the internet, when that marination like it hits, but everybody knows that the stew is better the next day. Everyone knows that because the molecules are breaking apart, the flavors are melting. Right? This is like this doesn't happen. Now bolognese slaps you in the face the next day, right? Mm. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Literally, the spaghetti on the face. And uh, I mean, the, I think the example I use is probably wrong. And we'll talk about it when we talk about Annie Duke's book, Quit. Is uh, I think the uh, the I mean, the most famous example, corporate example, probably is James Dyson. And he, I mean, he did 15 years and over 5,000 prototypes. Like, that's not reasonable for a lot of people, right? Um, but having said that, it was reasonable for him because, you know, he looked at it and he's like, I could put 10 years into this. And this, this is what we talked about uh, with our 100th episode with David Senra, podcast Socrates. He actually commented he, that, that killed <laughs> yeah, him when yeah. he saw that. He's like, when he asked you, can you do it for 10 years? I think that was the insight I'm trying to get to. Can you do it for 10 years? And uh, this me sitting down, jamming away keyboards, trying to sell a script every two years, that was not sustainable. Like financially, it wasn't sustainable. Like creatively, it wasn't sustainable because there was no feedback. In two years, we got feedback from five people. I think this is also basically a semantic discussion, right? Like the people that are like, well, why don't you, like, you have to tell people to quit. It's like, yeah, obviously. Like, you, like the, the way some people interpret that is like, maybe I'm going to do a Star Wars quote. I've never seen Star Wars, still haven't watched it, boys. But it's <laughs> Yodaism, do or do not. There is no try, right? It's like you're either doing stuff and like the difference between you writing scripts and writing tweets is not really that much different, right? You're still just pursuing this creative outlet that you, a craft that you have honed over and over again. We like to put the label on like, I'm either a screenwriter or I'm a whatever you want to be called on, on the internet. It's like, no, you're just like making stuff and seeing what sticks. And that, like, I think a lot of the progress gets held back by the label that is, I don't know, people really want to be considered an X or a Y or competing for, like, in this category or that category. And that's the thing that sometimes just boxes you into, oh, I couldn't possibly transition from writing screenplays to, you know, writing 200 tweets a week or whatever. It's like... That to me is also the thing that this is trying to get at is is the the fact that you don't know what's going to happen post all of this stuff and the the like the the peaks on the other side of that are really you just realizing all that stuff wasn't pointless. If that makes sense, like the the this is really a semantic discussion about like you could argue that James Dyson's 5,000 prototypes are more important than the one that works. There's way more learning and there's way more progress contained in all the shit he did before than the final piece. It's just like, we really love 
to simplify it down to like, well, why didn't he just wake up the first day and make the <laughs> make what the is, perfect bro five thousand? Why did it, what did you ever try doing it on the first try, James? Did you try making the vacuum on the first try? And even like, where is the line between the four thousandth and the four thousand and first? He's making most of that shit up, I bet. It's like, oh, he added one, you know, added no, a piece to it, thing. took a piece off. I got the well, actually, oh, how is it possible to do 5,000 protests? I'm like, bro, he like probably painted it one color and then the next day is a different yeah, color, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like there's probably really yeah, it's a 30 great, prototypes, it's... but the point it took 15 years, right? Like it took 15 years. There's a great book by Matt Ridley called How Innovation Works. Have you seen, have you read that? Uh, I, I do know that book. I know it, but I haven't read it. Yeah. But conceptually, that book is basically like dispelling the myth that shit gets invented. Everything is this process of like, oh, somebody tweaks this thing, somebody takes somebody else's thing, combines it with that thing, and that there is no like, you know, the way eureka moments are displayed in film or it like described in book. It's like does shit doesn't work that way. You don't wake up and go, yeah, oh, I have the idea for the perfect vacuum. It's like, what if this? And a little bit, a little bit of progress happens every day. This it's just not sexy, right? It's just not the that is not the sexy process that people think of behind whoever else i just started watching that um full swing we got to talk about that one too netflix has got this one yeah yeah the golf thing great like i'm not i have no interest in golf prior to this playing or watching now i'm like i need to buy some clubs i need to go i need to watch every every tournament but anyway that's like i think a great example of like i mean i think that's why that sport is very um no it just c contains a lot of the qualities of i don't even know how to describe this it, but it's why guys like michael jordan play golf right yeah yeah it's why like it's like why top athletes in other sports they, like steph curry plays golf it's the craft it's like it's, it's a fucking craft yeah intricate the nuance is insane and you yeah. can play on your own and you can play with people yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I don't play golf either, but yeah, I can imagine getting addicted oh, yeah. to it. You can never perfect that game, which is why guys like Joel, think about, can you speak of a higher compliment or sport, have Michael Jordan be obsessed with it? Yeah, the guy who plays flipping the coin against a wall against a security guard. Do you remember that scene? And <laughs> yeah, where he said, I'm going to beat you. And he's, imagine him on a golf course. Oh my God. That is wild. This one I'll put, we should link it. But when he beat Charles Barkley in 1993 in the NBA Finals, very famous photo. Is, uh, there's a photo of him in like game two and then game three. And he's like, I mean, Jordan's already a dark individual, like dark even for an African American, right? Like he's darker. Uh, you look at game two and game three, it's like he got even darker. It's because he played 18, if they don't play 36 holes between a game two and game three of the NBA Finals. Like, just an absolute 36 holes. This guy's got, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just obsessed with this sport. Um, there's actually one thing I want to add before, because I did want Bilal to rattle off on the Annie Duke's quit. Because for the listeners, I listened to uh, Bilal's podcast yesterday. First of all, Bilal, your ad reads, exceptional. You got a great ad read book. I heard that Just Works thing, and I'm like, oh, let me check out Just Works, dude. Um, They're getting a free shot now. <laughs> yeah, they got the free shot at NIA. But, uh... The one thing I want to say about the This Is Pointless chart is, yes, 
first of all, all the well actually guys, I get it. Okay, cool. It doesn't apply to every situation. You're just like be semantic like Jack said and like picking and choosing it. You know what we mean. You know what we mean when we're talking about this. But what what I want to say about that charge specifically and the other thing that really spoke to me was we've touched on this in the past in our 100 episodes. In 2023, how easy it is to get distracted, how easy it is to spin up something new. Like we could start any startup we wanted tomorrow. Open up a Shopify. Tomorrow we could sell a supplement business, right? Right? Tomorrow we could uh, do You see Jack smiling there. He's thinking about that creatine nah, monohydrate yeah. coming through. Visualize value creatine. <laughs> exactly. How many gains? You could, right? And tomorrow, <laughs> I don't know, I could launch an, an AI-powered research app tomorrow, right? Literally, and yeah, have distribution. Every single day, especially with the audiences we built, you could try something new. And it's only easier to start things up now, right? But it doesn't mean it's easy to actually succeed. And I think that's what that chart means. Is like, this is the, the contra to everything that Jack uh, Blasen talked about with Quit. So the one thing I'd caution about Quit, and this is, has nothing to do with Annie Duke and her frameworks, because her frameworks are giving you a how to quit properly, which is very powerful. It's just the idea, I think it's so easy to quit in 2023 because you can convince yourself that you can do X, Y, Z. Opportunities are thrown at you every day. You're seeing all these people on social media doing well. So A, you're being told that things are easy. You're seeing it, even though it's a lot of it is fake. And then three is like, it actually is easy to start something. But that just means you should be so cautious about quitting because you will never have the opportunity to hit that this is pointless accelerant, right? So that was for me what it was. It's like, I think it's too easy to quit. It's too easy to try new things. And uh, Yeah, but that, what you're saying, what I'm hearing is both. It's, it's so easy to start and it's so easy to quit. Probably easier than before because you're starting so many new things. You're never allowing that, that time to compound. To compound, yeah. That's yeah. What, yeah exactly. I, and so while from Jack earlier as well and what we've talked about, we all agree, you know, like going all out, giving yourself time is really important, the grit part. We also all agree, obviously, that at times you need to quit. And I think anyone listening to this would agree with that. I think where it gets a bit more complicated is actually in the nuance of it, like knowing when to actually stop versus not, right? And so like every entrepreneurial story, you speak to people and you'll be like, yeah, well, we had like Jack mentioned or another 20 people I've spoken to, they're like, we literally went into minus X amount. We had three days left on payroll. Our investors about to pull the plug, et cetera. And we came back from the brink, which often is like a story told afterwards, but a lot of them are real, right? Now, I think the problem I have with it is like what Annie told me. And so for people who don't know, she's got the other book she had was Thinking in Bets. She was like a professional poker player, really interesting. I think she's an investor at Andreessen or something like that now. Uh, is it Andreessen? I've forgotten. Do you remember, Trung? You listened to the first pod round, recently. First round. First round, first round. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, that was uh, a few months ago. So some of it's a little um, gray in my head. But yeah, and, and so I think what I was actually quite surprised because I read like, parts of the book and then obviously had the chat with her. And I was actually like pleasantly really surprised because a lot of those books are just like theoretical. Whereas she actually had like really good tangible like points in it. And kind of the summary like of the problem is all of us say we know we, we're supposed to quit, whether that's, you know, uh, activity, hobby, business, whatever, or your health, like uh, stuff that you're working on uh, in that world, or a relationship was another example she said. But the hard thing is that like, humans are really bad at judging when to do that. And, and another example, people, everyone listening to this has gone through it, investing. Yeah, so how many times have we said, oh, we're buying the dip 
Oh, we, oh, we're already in now. I'm, I'm in 10 G's in. I need to just hold it out. Now I'm going down to two. Okay, I might as well put more money in. And that's called, I think it's an example of the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like you, you've already spent time, energy, money on something. And you're like, oh man, I might as well just dollar cost average up now. You know, let's just keep going. And the problem with that is there's never, like 99% of humans can't do that very well. And so that was kind of her point to me was that, yeah, I can see that in my own life where I've, done that with projects or like jobs even relationships where you're like all right well this isn't perfect and you start convincing yourself you're like yeah but relationships aren't perfect they're not supposed to be completely easy and so that like actually figuring out what are those non-negotiables and what are the things where you need to basically set a time and say i'm giving myself this amount of time and this is the state of play it needs to be in for me to keep going and so that's kind of what I want to ask you guys, like giving examples of things like Trung, you mentioned not doing, you know, film scripts and stuff anymore. And Jack, you've had, I'm sure, many projects where you started it and just tossed it off. Sorry, that came out. That was a wrong phrase to use, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. You, you, I know you started a project and you rubbed them out, but uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then uh, you gave them a nice HD. We're getting that nice label on YouTube yeah. now, yeah? But wait, anyway. Wait, hold on. Oh, wait, no, blah. Sorry, I didn't... I didn't I, I, go, I, I go, go. Wait, what was the exact question that you had before? I was basically we... saying, like, the difference between where you did keep going and didn't, like, what was the decision, like, tangibly? Like, Trung, you you said you, you realized... My end goal is to like write jokes for the masses or like lots of people. And so you found another way to do that through yeah. Twitter. But I'm curious, like the other times where you actually decided to keep doing something versus not. So I'll say this is actually, I wish I had new, but you, you mentioned it, but Annie Dukes, so she, she calls it kill criteria. Yeah. It's like, before, if you, before you start a true project, or even if you get into relationships, you should know what it is, like, in a sense, a non-negotiable. For example, if you're in a relationship and somebody ever says something, like, so disrespectful and, like, in your mind, you're like, I will never allow... If somebody ever crosses this line, I'm going to call... Like, you should make that decision before going into the relationship, right? You don't make it on the spot. So, I'll, I'll say a couple things from Blouse chat with her. The example she uses in the book, which is so powerful, is uh, the example of Mount Everest, right? So, that's the ultimate human story perseverance is climbing to the top of Mount Everest. But embedded in that story is what Bilal mentioned. There are criteria for when you have to turn back, even if you're 200 feet from the summit. And what they call it in, in, in Everest hiking is called the turnaround time. Before mm, yeah. you start your ascent, you basically say at 1 p.m., no matter where I am, I'm turning around. And the reason you do that is because it's very difficult to hike in darkness and descending is way more dangerous than ascending. It's eight times more people die descending than do ascending. The second thing is you're so tired, fatigued, your mental capacities are gone. So that turnaround time is literally a built-in quit, right? It's crazy to think, but any any professional or any talented hiker that does Everest will go up there knowing they might have to quit, right? And uh, and it seems the antithesis of persevering and breaking through, but it's, it's a very powerful example. And I think the other thing that, Bilal, you kind of touched on, and I do want to mention about quitting, and before I get into kind of how I've made decisions to go and, and stay, is uh, it's not only is quitting difficult uh, and we don't really know when to do it, it's so stigmatized, right? It's like the idea of quitting It's is... like that word already is like quite a negative word. It's not like, oh, I'm moving on something better. It's like, oh, I'm messed up. I didn't... Ooh, this is why Silicon Valley invented the word pivot. 
right? That she talks about it. It's like pivoting is quitting. Like if you're pivoting your business, you're quitting your old business, right? Like Silicon Valley had to invent a word because quitting is so stigmatized. But yeah, so to back to your point is what I wish I had known along, along this journey. So I wish I had a kill criteria. Yeah, that's a good, that was a tangible thing that I left with as well. Right? Yeah. It's like, I wish I knew when I started writing that script, I'm like, if this movie doesn't get produced in two years, because this is what ended up happening. It never got made, but I should have said, if it doesn't get made in this time frame, I'm truly going to move on and just let it sit there because if I'm just sitting on this one project, and this is her point, why is quitting important though? Because it allows you to pursue other potential. Yes, yeah, opportunity costs. You're, exactly. you're basically using your time for something that you could be working 100%. on. 100%. Twitter, all the other things that have worked for you. Exactly. So she's basically saying that, uh, uh, I mean, mentioned it, sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, you have to reanalyze from the point where you are now. Don't look backwards. Be like, if I was starting today, would I still try to just push this script through or would I kind of pursue other things, right? Although she did caution that uh, a lot of people that are in that stance will over-convince themselves, right? I mean, none of these are like pure prescriptions, but I just love how tactical. The kill criteria is so specific, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the point I had there was the the criteria for that is a state and a date. And so she said, like you mentioned there, like if I don't get this, the state was a film is being produced or being sold through or whatever, like a yes, whatever that is. And by this time period. And that's what I think a lot of people don't do. They say, oh, well, I'll feel it out. I'll see how it goes. And then it just keeps going. And I, honestly, relationships are probably one of the worst for that, where you're like, oh, okay, this isn't that good, but I've, I've spent all this time with this person. I've got to know them. And now I'm old. Oh, man, I can't find someone better. Like, that is the sort of stuff that you spend 50 years of your life in misery. Um, so that was actually quite a good, like, it's a specific thing. It's not just like, oh, figure it out. Like, this isn't working. It's like, describe that state in your head. So if it's for a newsletter, I need to get to 10,000, 20,000, whatever the sub number it is. Makes you at least revisit the question, right? No, you're not just exactly. going to But you can revisit in a year. Like, let's say you want 10,000 subscribers in one year and you don't get there. Well, have an honest conversation then. Make a new kill criteria, okay? Once you get to the year and you're not there, you can either kill it or you're like, you know what? I'm going to push through. But it's like Jack said too. It's like, if you put a deadline in it, it's a forcing function, right? Gives you that kick, yeah. Yeah. So the other the, the other thing I want to talk about before, I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent here because I did want to talk about the tactical stuff she does because it's so brilliant. It's actually very smart, right? Yeah. It's a monkey in the pedestal. So I'll, I'll, I'll cheat up for Bilal. But uh, uh, the idea of the monkey in the pedestal, actually, I'll just do exactly what she said because I remember the internation. So Bilal, yeah, yeah. if you wanted to uh, uh, put a, a juggling monkey on a pedestal on the side of New York, like, what would you do first? What would be the first process you'd do? Would you put the pedestal Maybe you up? should do this to Jack, because I already yeah. know it's oh, kind yeah. of the outside. So, Jack, I'll ask you, Jack, <laughs> if, you want to put, if you wanted to do a, uh, a, a monkey juggling, uh, uh, flaming, flaming bottles on the side of a New York street, would you first have the monkey learn how to juggle the flaming bottles? train the monkey you, first, yeah. Or would you put the crate on the city street first? So that's the pedestal versus the monkey being trained. Which one goes first? The crate, obviously, yeah. Okay, so this is beautiful. The answer yeah. is actually the monkey. <laughs> because you can do the crate no matter what. The hard part isn't putting the crate on the street. The hard part is training the monkey. If you can't train the monkey, there's a... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that makes wrong. sense. Yeah. I was thinking you put the untrained... Yeah. I'm saying you put the untrained monkey on the street or the crate. I'm like, put the monkey... 
not don't let the monkey that's not trained on the street. But yeah, right, that makes exactly, sense. Exactly, right? No, you're right. You're right. You have to train the monkey first. Uh, the whole point is that a lot of people don't do it in that order. And like she yeah, gave yeah, a very yeah, specific yeah. example. It's like a whole so the, sense the, of progress. Yeah. It's all. It's the same thing with a brand, right? Yeah, People yeah. Like, I'm going to make my website. I'm going to do my brand. Exactly. I'm going to spend a shitload of money on business exactly. cards and stuff. It's like, go that's and get it. a customer, man. Like, by write down what it is you're selling. And right. Jack, that's the example she gave was um, basically like, basically in code, right? Like for tech, we, we talk about tech here a lot, obviously. Like a lot of people have an idea for an app, right? And then they spend like ages, like a year. And they're like, oh, I'm going to like go and find a technical co-founder. And I'm going to go and go to a coding class. And then they start writing lines of code. And then a year later, not, nothing's happened. And the point of this framework is to say, like, what's the part that's actually the sizzle here? It's, it's the the flame is the monkey juggling with flames like go and speak to someone if they want the monkey in the flames yeah. first like go and actually <laughs> exactly. to take the action and that's and then all right cool now the crate is writing the lines of code finding because that you person you making that. it happen you know how yeah. long it takes you know uh, xyz and i'll tell you why specifically why this is tactically important because like jack said if you're doing that brand and you launch that website now all these psychological things that we've talked about come into play sunk cost fallacy now you're tied, and now you're emotionally tied to that brand, right? So now you're really creating it, and you're making it hard to quit. Like she's like, this is truly making like it harder to quit because now yeah. you've got all that buy-in, yeah. And then just to add to what Trung's saying, I think the idea comes from Astro Teller, who's the Google X guy. He's kind of a crazy dude. I met him once. He's just like a wild, wild dude. I I can imagine in his personal life, he's he does some wild stuff. But yeah, he he's like the dude who runs all the like you know moonshot stuff at Google, and that's they got pitched. Let's say like the Hyperloop, right? They you know whenever that was popping off like a few years ago, those guys went and pitched all the big companies and said we need funding for this. And I can't remember the exact details, but long story short, they said like they separated the Hyperloop into two parts. They were like the sizzle part, the 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 monkey doing the crazy stuff is. Can you actually go from New York to LA in two hours or whatever the amount is? And then they broke that down in more detail. Technically, it was I'm making this up, but if a train would take X amount of time and this amount of resistance, the Hyperloop would be 10 times less resistance. And no, that no, requires wait, this. Oh, sorry, yeah. the, scissor, the, the, monkey, the monkey was a regulatory stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Actually, the I difficult, thought it was both. I thought it was both. No, to it's because be the but. train they knew they could build. They already knew really? how to build okay, the train. Okay. All right, all right. I did this a few months ago, so I kind of no, forgot, to be fair. But go were the, there were two things that were the monkey. Got it. Yeah, yeah, it was both. It was both. It okay. was regulatory and also how fast you can go. Like exactly, exactly. Speed. So what they did was they half-assed it. They, uh, they, uh, a virgin built a sixth of the track, or like it got to up to a sixth of the top speed, but that doesn't tell you anything, right? Yeah. That doesn't actually tell you anything. And uh, But but uh, in the, the chat, she said that, Astro Teller decided after 15 minutes that it was not a good project because he knew that the monkey part was the regulatory apparatus and he had no experience dealing with government. He's like, I'm just, I have, a, what's the point here? I can't, why even start laying track if I know I can't even get past the government, right? Yeah, that that's his... the same, that like a lot of high stakes, but what Jack said there with like the code or whatever, that's exactly it. Like you started doing all the work before it like the the main part was figured out. So yeah, I think that was interesting. I'll say like, yeah, she gave a bunch of others. You should check out the book. Uh, obviously, I'll share the link in the show notes to the full chat and you can scroll through 
the timestamps as always. You can go in and see those, it's really, those sections. It's a really good chat. It's worth listening Thanks, to man. the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a fun one. Um, any, all right, boys, anything else on that before we move on? I guess the, I think, Trung, before we spoke about this, we talked about like company examples as well. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but... Well, Slack, I think Slack is the famous one she used. Do you like, want to just uh, share that really quickly and we can yeah, round it out with so that? that that's a good, uh, it's a good example of uh, uh, using a quit uh, and quitting criteria to like advance your ultimate goal. So uh, Stuart Butterfield, who founded Slack, also founded Flickr. And but the entire time, the entire time that he founded Flickr, sold to Yahoo, Slack, sold to Salesforce uh, over multiple decades, he wanted to build a like immersive game, like a a, a multiplayer internet, uh, you know, a kind of a Warcraft type, a World of Warcraft type of game. So the first time he did it, they basically created some technology where the powerful part was able to share files and they turned into a photo sharing app like Flickr, and they ended up selling Flickr to Yahoo. And then he launched this game called Glitch. And Glitch got really popular, but it was very niche. And he could have powered through and tried to make it like these charts that we all talked about, that this is pointless chart or any type of uh, uh, escalatory chart. But he realized that there was too niche of a game. So he shut it down, but he, he, he said that he made that decision because he looked at his employees he made an expected value calculation. Another thing that Andy Duke talks about. So when you're making these decisions to quit, like you'd be like, make it, make a calculation at this point. If I continue, what is my choice continuing down this path versus my choice not to continue? What is the value of that, right? There's different ways to calculate. There's obviously monetary, time-wise, people's time, relationships. Um, but he looked at it. He's like, my employees will never get made whole if we go down the route we're going. So I'm going to shut it down. And... And Andy brings up a good point. It's about opportunity cost. And he's like, oh, I shut down this project. What am I going to do now? Well, internally, they had something. They had this internal messaging app, and it was really popular. So he never even looked at that as a potential product. But when he shut down a game, he's like, oh, there we go. The opportunity has been right there all along, but I never even thought about it because I, I was so myopic going down this road, and I refused to quit. But I don't think this is inconsistent with uh, with Jack's chart. It's I think ultimately, yeah, it's, a, it's additional context to yeah. like a limited thing. You're gonna like hearing Jack talk about it for an hour. You understand that he's not just saying keep going into a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, but a exactly. lot of the time, people. I mean, I will say this is. It sounds so obvious, but the reason I think it's important to discuss is because we all know people, and including ourselves, where you just went for way too long. Like I, I know people I speak to. They've been listening to Crate Lab for seven years, and they're they're still doing the same thing. And and I'm like, man, I feel bad because I know. They, they have talent and they could be doing something else. And it's not for me to say, hey, you should be doing something else either, right? And so th there is a, a reflection you need to look at yourself sometimes and say, is this still what I set out to do in the first place? Is it still giving me the things that I was optimizing for? Or have my circumstances changed, right? And so I think that's a, a good way to think about it, but it's, well, it's, says, it's uh, a very difficult thing. I just want to say exactly what she said. She says, you have to decide and figure out what's hard and worthwhile and what's hard and not worthwhile, right? That's yeah, what she that's said. Good. And yeah, uh, yeah. since we've been quoting this line so many times, I'm just going to add it this week. It's, I think it's like pornography. It's like the Supreme Court judge said. You, either, you know what it looks like when you see it, right? Like you know <laughs> if it's worthwhile. Like you just actually know. Uh, but, but I think we nice should answer- Nice transition your, to the last topic, Tron. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we should answer your specific question though, is when did you quit something? Let me turn around on you. Talk, talk, talk us through the arsenal 
uh, blog. Yeah. And when you shut it down, that must have been hard, man. That was, yeah. So that's a good one. And honestly, Street Vibes too, which was a tiny little e-commerce thing I had as a student. So that I didn't have a framework in mind. It was just intuitively, I was like, is this still serving what I want it to serve? And I think luckily for me at that age, I was always optimizing for that learning. And that sounds kind of like the we being geeky, but that was always just kind of what I was about. It was like, yeah, I want to make money, but like I'm going to do that later anyway. I'm, I'm just trying to learn about e-commerce. All right, cool. I made some money. Great. But I'm not selling hats for the rest of my life. Like nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't what I wanted to do forever. And then so it always just felt like, what's the next thing? Well, how can I take what I've learned and apply it to the next thing? The Arsenal one is a tough one because this like also a labor of love, right? Like it's something till today. I watch every single game. I spend 10 hours a week listening to Arsenal podcasts like obsessed. And it... It, but it got to a point where I was at university and I was like, okay, this is taking up way too much of my time. And it just it just felt like I wasn't going to progress in what I needed to get out of it. And honestly, the, the part that I struggled with the most was like managing other people and having to like the admin of that. Like I actually like managing people, but the admin back then was like, I have to review. I was the editor. I'm like reading everyone's blog post and that takes mad time. So it just got to a point where I looked at my options and I said, I'm at university, I'm going into my, my second or final year. Like I, that is the priority and this is taken away from that. And I've learned something good from it, but I need to focus on and reprioritize. So I think that was pretty much it. And I, I, I didn't like fully shut it down. I just put, I just basically said, I'm not going to publish for a while and I'll see uh, if I want to relaunch it or like write on it in the future. And that's kind of how I thought There's about it. There's a world though, if you just plugged away, that thing could probably be worth seven figures. Like honestly. I mean, yeah, the guy who... I mean, the main guy, he's basically the biggest sports blogger across sports in the world. His ass blog, Andrew Mangan, had him on Credit Lab, didn't release the episode because we messed up the audio. But he is absolute legend, Irish guy. He, I mean, he has a massive podcast. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in the millions uh, per episode, but it's hundreds of thousands at least, which is really, really big for a podcast. And he has millions of people on the site every, every month. And he's just one guy with like a bunch of freelancers now. But he was like the OG. I, I don't think I would have got to that Did stage. Did you ever read he was, your blog? Yeah, yeah. He used to like link to my blog and like. Bro, you could have. But there were so many blogs. To be honest, I was at one I of twenty. I hate to say this, bro. Yeah, I know. You I should messed have let up, it yeah. right out, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You, you made a mistake, bro. I'm just telling you now. You don't want to look back. I compass. feel it. Sunk cost fallacy right there. But um, J Jack, have you got one? Because Trung Trung shared his uh, shared one of his. But was there one that? kind of makes sense where you actually decided actually I need to stop doing this one uh we started a podcast like production agency way back like this was just before visualize value with it was me Celia and another couple and the dude was a sound engineer so I was oh, doing sick. the graphic stuff and he was doing all the sound so it was like oh, I didn't the, know you did the that concept yeah, yeah. The concept was put like upload an hour of audio to Google Drive. We'll produce a podcast. We'll write an article. We'll make three like visual graphic clips. Me and Trung are like, what? We have never Bro, heard of this. This is amazing. Yeah, this? PTSD from it. I don't want to do it ever again. So what, that was what, basically. What <laughs> well, we got it up. We basically got it to like 30 clients, this thing. So it was like. What? I had no idea you did this. That's hilarious. It was like steaming this thing. It was, it was making good money. And well. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It was like, it was like having four people as a co-founders of that thing when it's like not really a high margin business was a little bit 
silly. Too many cooks in the kitchen sort of thing. Yeah, and it just, like, it got to the point where, like, you've won too many uncomfortable conversations where it's just like, unless you're, man, my ultimate idea of a partnership, and this is probably the opposite of what most people think, is like, I don't want to have to tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. You have this skill set. I have this skill set. If we don't just automatically do the stuff that we're supposed to be doing and trust each other yeah right the implicit trust of like i'm like whoever gets whoever involved it's because there's something there's something uh there's like a yin and yang component to that partnership and in some cases you might be doing 80 or 90 percent of the work and it was like we had a great brand for it it was growing but it's just like this is painful. Let's kill it. Shut it down. Like kill a, it was probably a, it's probably doing half a million bucks a year. That business was just oh, like, what, what year? What year was this? I didn't this? know that. Yeah. What year was 2018, this? 2018, 2019, 2018, Bro, something like what that. Is... Yeah, I had no idea. Dude, uh, I didn't know you did legit... that. Yeah, yeah. Could have sold it, but just like, uh, hate it. How come you guys didn't sell it? Is that something you guys knew that you could even do back then? It wasn't, didn't know wasn't set up that way you just like just sort of fell out of love with it and just like why wouldn't you do it now like what's going on here <laughs> what do you mean why wouldn't i set it up because i hated it okay, uh, you yeah. hated it no, yeah. you hated yeah, it because yeah. of the equity split because it didn't make sense for you for four people and i hated the business and i hated the like i hated the well hate is a strong word it was just like <laughs> not as interesting as it could be you know yeah like, yeah, okay, yeah but okay, it opened yeah. the doors and a lot of the seats for visualized value are in that thing you know like taking conversations and ideas and turning them into visuals but ah. there's this there's this very like difficult thing with podcasts where unless you are coming up with these banger lines every week week in week out it gets very tedious like turning finding highlights in something that doesn't oh, yeah. have any highlights, right? Yeah, that's the, that <laughs> yeah. was where that was where it fell short. No offense to anybody in there, it was like our fault with the product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. All right, that was a good one. That was I didn't know you did that. That's crazy. Smash yeah, it, I, man. I, yeah, I think that those businesses, like we talked about before, we even started recording. There's so much opportunity out there to do that, and if you love doing it, and especially for like podcast this was not for like stuff that i listened to this was just like cold you know or like semi cold introductions to people who had like hobbyist podcasts so uh yeah so it's a there's always a market for making somebody look better or sound smarter than they are that's alpha right there you should make a great you should yeah. make a visual of that bro <laughs> someone make a clip there that was the in and out of the clip right there man jesus christ yeah wait i love that jack yeah i didn't know so just to clarify though the main criteria that we talked about kill criteria that was yeah i just hate doing this this is like and and you the the money wasn't making sense i could we like i've gone through this this is not the first time i've done this probably six or seven times like or done like a joint project with somebody where I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Like I'll get on the phone and be like, this is sick. I love it. Yeah. And then the criteria for me is like, if I'm ever not wanting to get on a meeting before I get on it. Yeah. Oh, that's it. a good one. That, that is, is a like good if one. I'm like, if I wake up and I'm like, why 
the fuck is this on my, my calendar? Talking to this person and Kill I, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. That's a great. And that's like you have too. to get yourself in a very different situation to be able to operate that way. Yeah, yeah. I think there's obviously like yeah, a lot of most people's jobs are like that. To be fair, but like you have to be in a place where you're right with quitting that. Yeah, when you don't have to do that, especially like if you keep your overhead low enough to have that luck like it's a different kind of luxury right there's people who live really great lives that can't say no or great lives on paper that can't say no and then there's people who keep their you know six months of runway in the bank and that's that's what fuck you money really is right it's like 12 months of expenses not a million dollars if you're spending 100 grand a month uh, sorry if you're spending 100 grand a day and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It's really the ratio versus like yeah. basically not needing it's all a percentages. Lot. Yeah. It is really the fuck your money in a way. Like you're, yeah, you're. It's not really like I, having I that yacht money though. I would say, I would say certifiably that is like if you can walk away from a situation, yeah, that is fuck you money. If you can't, you don't. Yeah, have that's it. a that's a fair that's a good way to put it. I think that's a really good one, Trung. Have you had that as well? Where you just like I'm not, I don't want to be. I, actually, I think I know you have, but. <laughs> well, you're like, all right, I don't well, want to be. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny one. Is uh, well, I knew I never wanted to be in the office. We'll go back to my Scotia bank one. This is actually this is funny because Jack told the story with. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about this. Jack's told the story with Celia, being like, you know, maybe we're not like meant to be entrepreneurs. But I had a moment with my wife in 2013. We weren't married yet then, but so I'd I'd asked her to quit her job in Asia and come move to Canada, and it was like I had a master plan. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I'll go my MBA and I'll go work in corporate world or something. So my first internship that summer was with uh, a bank in Canada and I was doing corporate banking. Wait, is this Scotia Bank or a different one? Yeah, Scotia Bank. And I knew I hated it. I, I knew it I knew I never wanted to be in the office. We talked about I'm not an office person. And but I had to get the paycheck that summer, uh, for the internship. <laughs> I came back the first day from work. And mind you, Anne's move from Asia, giving up a full corporate, like decade-long corporate career. Yeah, to come, good job as well, right? Yeah, good yeah. job. I come back from that internship. So she's like, at least when I started, she's like, okay, at least he's down the road now to having a proper corporate job. First day I come back, and I just like, shoulders slumped. And I just go into the bedroom, and I'm just like, I don't think I can do this. And like, she's yeah. like, this is like day one. Damn. This is the day one of the corporate internship. And she just literally went, oh my God. What the fuck am I gonna do? I literally gave up everything to follow this guy here, and this dude can't even gut out a three-month internship. Did you quit though? What happened? No, I didn't quit. I mean, but she could tell that like that route that was the clearest route for her is like okay to make up for what she left was like he's gonna get into corporate banking or he's gonna be a banker, end up in investment banking, and like he'll do that career, but like the day one already rolling in when it was not gonna work. She's like, oh my god. This is not this is not a sound that, decision I on my part. I think that's a good. I know we're kind of like semi-joking and stuff, but this well, is actually like a real. It's good to it's know. It's good to know. No, it's like I think, you know, Jack, you mentioned earlier about the not having enough money in the bank and like sometimes you need to go to zero to push you on. I, I think a lot of the time it's not the money for people, like you said. Like you know, like rationally speaking, most people can go and live in their bedroom from childhood if their parents are together and they're have a you know even if they're poor like they can go and live there and pay minimal amount of money right i, I don't think it's often the money it's more that perception of what am i going to tell the boys what am i going to tell my colleagues who you know that i i know and, that, and that's actually what stops most people i think is like quitting for something they perceive to be worse and what how it makes them look 
and I see that all this, I speak to all my like Google friends, like in the last few weeks with the prestige, they don't want to give it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they're just like, well, they're used to being able to say something to all their friends and family that makes them feel secure. Right. It's not even what it used to be, but it's, oh, he's got a good job. He's being paid X amount. Cool. Like he's safe. I know what Google is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then when you're like, oh, I go to, I actually talk, who did I speak to about? It's on the pop Polina um, on Creator Lab. She went from like Fortune, she was writing Fortune or like a editor or something there. And she then just is like writing the profile, like her own newsletter. And going from, like to Trunk, you might have had this as well, where you're going from the hustle where you can go and like do, um, you know, journalism, lowercase j journalism, and you can go and well, get access. Bloomberg as an example, right? Even yeah, now, yeah, Bloomberg like... as well. You get access to people and you can say, oh, I'm, I write for Bloomberg and you can open that door. And when you go and say, I write for Sat Post, I'm Trunk fan. Yeah, now you can say yeah, I've got now, X number of people yeah. on Twitter or whatever, but when you're not that, like even again on a small scale for me, when I got like the first big guest for Creator Lab, it was I would really not lean into the Google part. Like even though that that didn't even do that much to open the door, I would like mention that's my background or whatever, but that wasn't gonna get them to be on a call with me. So like I'm not I'm not doing a podcast for Google. I'm doing it for Bilal. They don't know who I am. So that is a bit of a it actually like really humbles you where you're used to being able to call anyone, get basically a, a meeting with someone, and now you're like chasing up some random person that people haven't even heard of. Well, that's why we actually joke even now, like we joke about what happens when I go to my, my LT's like bring your dad to work day. What, <laughs> what do I want to do? I want to show my follower account <laughs> on Twitter? Like, what am I doing here, bro? It's, it's uh, like that meme, kids the, love the, that the guy in the pie. Yeah. It's true though, it's different. Like I don't, I don't think, I think our generation has an appreciation for that, but I don't think in ten years, like people are gonna care that you work at Google or yeah, of or course, they just well, don't give a now, shit. But also, it's but like, don't you think that really stops people, though, right? Like the hundred percent. It's not just financial capital, social capital, dude. Social yeah, capital. I think that's more like what you look like to people. Yeah, as you're explaining that, I just thought of a few examples. I uh, like when I quit my agency business which had like very prestigious fortune 500 clients that anybody in the world would know and then like a week later i'm in like some dingy entrepreneur meetup sketching out slides for somebody who's like got Logistics. a little market a little marketing agency or a 3pl or something it's like this is so much less sexy than the stuff that was in my portfolio before but the the real irony in it is like you're just coasting off somebody else's reputation yeah and and the like the reset button that you're hitting is like putting it all under your name and you have to i mean in a lot of cases start from zero sometimes you can like slice off a little bit of that equity i still think people probably allow trust you because you have that experience and you worked in that place and you can bring that into your venture that was definitely true of me as well yeah, when i was starting yeah. out like then, oh, I did work for this company and this company, and you've heard of this, you've heard of that. There's definitely equity in that, but it doesn't always one-to-one -one translate, especially when you're trying to operate independently because big businesses do, biz do business with other big businesses for the most part. Yeah, definitely. And it makes sense. Like, everyone was looking for the shortcut. Like, we've talked about the whole thing. It's like, oh, Jack has worked with Ferrari and XYZ. I know he's, like, a credible person, but... When you don't necessarily have that, like you need their attention to tell them that in the first place, right? Like, like the, if you're starting from scratch, you don't have that. 
I have a good anecdote about like, I guess this is about product market fit. Like I went to this, I came out of the ad agency business where like the market is so distorted. Like the, you don't get real world feedback. It's like somebody asking you to work on something because they think it's a good idea or like they're, they're watching around to impress their boss or whatever. It's not tied to a specific result or if it is, the result is not like a hard um like we need to sell more of x like everybody has to obfuscate that to like make more work and more conversations and more meetings happen and i went to this meetup once once and i was like oh i'm doing this um i'm working on this website i got like some guy asked me to redo the website of this resort it was like a a mountain ski lodge and in the in the summer it's like a mountain biking thing and I was like, oh, I'm working on this uh, website. These guys, like, they're not getting bookings in the in the summer, so they want they need to like they need to get a new website. And he's like, why the fuck they need a new website? I was like, well, no one's booking <laughs> stuff in the in the summer, so they they just told me it's the website. I was like, what do you mean it's the website? Dumb. The website could be a, an Excel like in yeah. entry thing. Like, it's got nothing to do with the website. They can't sell any shit in the summer because they can't sell. Yeah, like, you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They need the hard guy. <laughs> yeah exactly right, right and that like honestly was like a drill going in the side of my brain it was like shit you know what i've been like 10 years in this environment where nobody ever asked the second why i'm kind of yeah. going off topic here they but just, you're no, like but you're they just, assume no, 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 this that is very relevant. The time. yeah they just assume that and and then they assume this one insight for their business and they just shift everything to like oh now i need the new website now i'm hiring this person yeah this happens so much in like what I do in my world with marketing stuff where a random engineer, I've said this before, like a random engineer finds a piece of data and they're like, oh, the the click-through rate and the conversion rate on this page goes up by 12% if you just put a pop-up on the screen. And it's like, yeah, obviously, yeah. but then you, you yeah. haven't experienced what happens once you put that to 100,000 people coming to your site and everyone hates your brand now because you keep putting it right. in their face. And so like there's there's stuff like that where people just completely get distorted and go down a different path. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, like I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is like not asking why beyond second the first one. or second time. And that yeah. uh, uncovers a lot. Definitely. All right, boys, how are we doing for time here? Do yeah, we, we can any probably call. Last... I think that's a clean episode, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it was good. We just stick on that. We'll, we'll, let's save the Apple Glucose stuff and the Moonshot uh, yeah, we can, we can for another, for maybe evergreen. next week or something. Evergreen. Yeah, any, anything, any last words on the Kill stuff? I think we'll we'll share, definitely check out Jack's um, Trunks write-up on Jack's idea in last week. Is it last week's app post? Oh, yeah. I will share it in the show notes. Yeah, I think it's called This Is Pointless um and yeah i'll share the annie duke chat as well let us know if you if you listen to any of those or read any of those anything else boys before we call it a day time to quit the episode no, that sorry that was terrible but i had to do it <laughs> come on yeah, that was good boys good <laughs> that was a good chat i think yeah, that's that actually that's let us good, know what you let us know what you think about this kind of a style of conversation because we we don't do that many of these where it's like one idea and we're kind of just debating it it's like we took one AMA sides. question and went all the way through yeah yeah which I, I thought was quite an interesting i think we'll get better at it as well the more of these we do but i think that was there was definitely some interesting ideas in there so 100 let's know what you think of that one appreciate you guys being here every week supporting us sharing with your friends in the group chats on twitter everywhere we appreciate you and uh we will see you guys next week cheers